Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. Thank you, James. Thank you, team, for leading us. Man, wasn't that a powerful time of worship together? I just love how God is moving in this place and in your hearts, man. My, my uh, just joy just grows as we gather together like this, and we're being encouraged and shaped for the purpose of God. My name is Richie, lead pastor here, and I believe that God got you here for a reason today, and he wants to speak to every single one of our hearts on a, on a mission together to reach this world for Jesus. Brings us in here today with joy, conviction, with passion, with a sense of urgency. God, shape me, grow me, use me, God, for your purposes that Spokane, that this region, God, would know your love, your grace, your power, your forgiveness, God. Uh, would, you, would you work in my school, in my workplace, in my family, God? Would you work through me? That's the passion that fills us uh, today as we come in here. God, we're not here just to go through motions and check religious boxes, but we are here to be equipped for your mission and for your purposes, God. And so I love that God got us here today, and uh, I pray that your heart is soft that way. Uh, whatever circumstance got you through the door today, I pray that he would just be working and softening and speaking uh, into your heart today. He has the power to do that whether you know him or not, and so I'm thankful uh, that we get to be together. Hey, we got to celebrate a couple people being baptized just a few minutes ago. Wasn't that awesome? That's the world being reached. Uh, last week, we got to celebrate with Sebastian. Can we put our hands together one more time? Uh, God was working in his life. Got to see a whole bunch of the uh, Whitworth soccer boys here with him celebrating. It's just so cool to see God leading in, in each of our lives and speaking and, and directing us to take those next steps. They're so practical. Like, like religion has gotten so theoretical for so many of us. But following Jesus is so simple and so practical. He calls us to get baptized. We get baptized. <laughs> he calls us to, to take a next step, and we take that. Uh, uh, Jesus' people are an obedient people, obedient to his leading. That's what makes him our king. It's not that we believe in him or think about him or, or lift our hands during a song, but that we obey him. That's how simple this thing is. That's the life of a disciple of Jesus who's learning to make disciples. And so I want to call you to that. I want to call you to that financially. We talked about that last week, what it means to tithe. It's a, it's a simple practice of taking 10% of our income and setting it aside. You got paid this week on February 1st. We take that 10% and we set it aside for the purpose of God, give it to our local church that we are a part of. And it is amazing to watch him be our provider in that. I said it's simple, not easy. I understand that. Um, but the way of Jesus is worth it. And so I would call you again to that today. You could do it through the envelope there on your seat. Uh, you could do it digitally. You see those options on the screen. Every one of us who follow Jesus, uh, we, we take that step and we take it very seriously. It's an opportunity for us to preach the good news about Jesus Christ to our own souls. He's my provider. He's good. He loves me. He is in charge of this life. I get to trust him with every bit of my life, including my finances. Last month, we had a really, really cool thing happen. We had 46 new people connect into small groups here at Real Life. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You know what that practical step is, is, is you and I is just understanding, hey, I grow spiritually best with other people. Uh, my wife and I got to start a new group, and it's just kind of getting started, and all the awkwardness is getting worked out of it. It's part of the process of us getting to know each other, but then, then really coming to this place where we're going to start growing spiritually together. 46 more people took that step this last month, and I, I want to encourage you that you need to be a part of that number in February, that God wants to grow you spiritually. He does that in community, in relationship with other people. By yourself, you don't grow spiritually, and so I want to call you to that. Uh, we've got connect groups all over the city every night of the week. Uh, we want you to be a part of one of those. Our leaders are amazing, and by the way, 
leaders. We need a lot more. Most of our groups are packed out, and we need more space for more people to get connected. And so here's my encouragement. You've been in a group for a while. Start leading a group. You don't feel qualified? Join the club. We are all on this thing together, figuring out how to grow spiritually. And so I want to call you out of your comfort zone if you've been connected for a while. And I want to call you to start leading in that way. And so my prayer is that that as God continues to draw people to himself, that there would be workers that would be ready to take on the responsibility of shepherding, leading, discipling those that God brings. And so you can put all that stuff on that connect card that you see there on your seat. Next steps that God's speaking to you about, prayer requests, any of that, drop those in the box as you leave. Well, I want to pray. We are going to start a new conversation today that I'm stoked about. I believe that God is going to speak, and uh, I already lost my voice in first service, so uh, bear with me. I'll be drinking some tea as we go, but I, I think God wants to speak to you, and so I'm just going to dive right into it. Would you, would you pray with me? Lord, uh, we just humble our hearts today. You, you are so good, so powerful. So loving, God, so kind. You're compassionate. Oh, God, your love never ends. There's nothing, God, that we can do to, to separate ourselves from your love. And, God, I just thank you that you've been drawing people to yourself, people that have been here for a long time, people that are brand new here today, God, that you are going to speak and reveal and make yourself known, God, today. I pray, God, that you would just be here powerfully. God, our hearts would be soft, responsive to you and your, your leading, God. We trust you to make a way in this time, Lord. We love you, and in Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Years ago, uh, some college friends and I, we went on an adventure together. That was like um, the name of the game in college was go on an adventure. We did all kinds of dumb stuff, and uh, this was probably one of those most dumb ones, I think. We we um, decided to go uh, river rafting uh, down the Rogue River. You know the place in Oregon? Anybody been there before? A few of us. It is beautiful. I mean, canyons and rocks and river and gorgeous. And my buddy grew up there on the Rogue, and so we were like, hey, let's go to your house. We'll hang out. We'll get the raft, and get, we'll get the squirt guns and the suntan lotion, and uh, we're going to enjoy that river for a couple of days. And it was like dreamy, hot, sunny. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, this river has like class four and five rapids, which if you know about rapid classifications, that's a big deal. We're like, let's not go there. Let's do the class two and three. We can handle that. Uh, we're a bunch of fellows. We can figure this thing out, right? Well, we get to his house and the only river raft he has is one of those Walmart specials called the Fish Hunter. Anybody seen the Fish Hunter before? It's green. And, and it, I think his capacity is two. We got six of us in there. And... Uh, it had, I think, a couple oars that were plastic, and we had the squirt guns, you know, the kind that you draw the water out of the river. We're like, we're going to hose everybody on this river. We had sunscreen, sunglasses. I think we threw a life jacket or two in. I can't remember very well, because I know for sure I didn't wear one most of the time. And, and um, we got going on this river, and I'll tell you what, we had no idea what we were in for. When we started hitting those two and three rapids, like we, uh, we came over a rock and it was like six, eight foot drop on the backside of this thing. We were, we were scared to death. In fact, the raft at one point coming over one of those big rocks, it upends like this. I'm sitting in the very back of the raft and, and all of six of us all kind of like land on my chest and just drive me straight to the bottom of the river right behind this rock where the water is just like swirling and sticking me to the bottom of the river. My friend Peter, who landed right on top of me, it was so awesome. He kicked off my face to get back to the surface. I, I remember my sunglasses floating away going, oh, I liked those sunglasses as my face is, you know, almost bloodied from his heel. And, and, and it was by the grace of God, I stuck my hand up 
And, and somehow he saw my, my hand sticking out of the rapid and was able to pull me out of that thing. And I just remember climbing into the raft going, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We were, we were kind of expecting smooth sailing, calm waters, suntans, like let's get in water fights, let, let's just have a good time on the river. And we were fighting for our lives. It stops being fun when you're trying to fight for survival, right? It's like, oh, we got enough memories going on here, enough adventure, let, let's figure out a different way. And I think that, 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 that for me is kind of the picture of the last couple of years. For a lot of us, like, this river is much bigger, much more tumultuous than we planned on. Our lives are built for smooth sailing. Our lives are built for, for easy, easy cruise down the river with, with sunscreen and squirt guns. And many of us find ourselves in rapids that we never knew existed. And emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, we are, we are distraught. We are struggling. We are asking questions we've never asked. We're wondering about things like purpose and, and, and meaning and going on in life. Some of us struggling with suicide, struggling with anxiety like we've never struggled before. I, I think about how much has just overwhelmed us this last couple of years. And God is, I believe, wanting to get a hold of our hearts. Because as you and I come through a season like this, we have an opportunity to evaluate and go out. Wow, as Jesus' people, are we a people that's built for smooth sailing, and that's it? As soon as things get difficult or unknown or uncharted, are we bailing? Are we quitting? Are we walking away? Are we discouraged? Are we, are we, are we disillusioned? I watch this happen all the time in our disillusionment and discouragement. We start picking at things and picking at people and something's wrong with the church and the people and our government and, and, and all these things become the object of our scorn. And, and instead of like self-reflecting on how I can grow and what needs to strengthen and change in me, we're pointing and picking and complaining and griping and, and, and our lives are kind of crumbling around us as we are struggling to understand how big this river really is. One of my passions is church history. And um, in, in history, you got an amazing opportunity. You look back and you got 2020 vision in history. Think about how many churches started 2020 with like, we got vision for 2020. Uh, no, like nobody has any idea what's happened. But when you look back, you have an opportunity to inspect and go, wow, what was going on in that period of history? And what was God doing? You could take a longer view and you have an opportunity to evaluate and grow and, and, and look at it. And I really believe that we are in a period of history right now. Uh, that we really don't know the outcomes. We're not sure what the future looks like. And we don't have this, this sense of clarity about why all this is happening, where we're at. But when I look back, we have this amazing opportunity to go, you know what? We are a part of something supernatural. We're a part of Jesus' church. And Jesus' people in Jesus' church have always endured through difficult times in history. Very difficult Man, you might think about this is the most difficult time ever in my life, but when you look historically, Jesus' people have endured through much, much worse, and that gives me hope going, wow, if they can endure, we can endure. If they can be strong, we can be strong. If, if Jesus' church continues in that time through all that difficulty and all that persecution, all that turmoil, God, you can do something in this time in your people. And I feel a personal responsibility for us as a church to not be a church that just 
goes away or disappears or is weak or, or falls apart because things are hard in, in culture. Or, or, or maybe we're waiting for the government to change their mind on something or our country to figure something out or leaders to change something about whatever. And, and just knowing that, man, there's something miraculous about Jesus' church. His people have always endured. Here we are 2,000 years later. And still, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. The good news that God loves you and that he has purpose for you and that he can walk you out of all your brokenness into healing, wholeness, and he has purpose to use you for his good work that he created you long ago for. Like, I think about what an amazing opportunity we have to recognize the miracle that we are in. We are a part of Jesus' church. The tendency is to get gripey, complainy, deconstruct the church, to get like, oh, the church is broken. It's, we got to throw it all out and start all over. We got to, we got to, and you read this stuff and people are posting stuff and it's all over the place. Just stop, 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 stop. Man, when you look back, Jesus' church has always endured. No matter what difficulty came, no matter what people said, no matter what complaining happened, sure, things change and adapt and grow, but Jesus is still Jesus, and his people are still following him, and his kingdom is growing and expanding, and no matter what is coming our way, we have an opportunity now to really become a people that endure. So I want to look over the next several weeks. um, I'm excited about next week. Uh, a friend of mine who's a church historian, uh, Dr. Jerry Sitzer, some of you know him, uh, he, uh, he basically built the theology program at Whitworth over here, just, just retired last year, and um, uh, he's an expert in church history. I love talking to that guy, and uh, we've read lots and lots of books together, been in groups together, but he wrote a uh, PhD uh, and, and wrote this amazing book, his most recent one, called Resilient Faith. He's taken a look at how the early Christian uh, people changed the world. And how through the most difficult time and circumstances, God used them to shape the culture. And, and I think about how easy it is to be reactive right now. Jerry will be here next week, and I'm excited for him to be here for all three services. I want you to invite people, bring people with you. It's going to be an amazing encouragement uh, to everyone you know to hear this historical perspective. And each week that we're together through this conversation, we're going to take different chunks of history and just kind of progress from the first century all the way up in, into more modern times. And, and we're going to look at different times of history and how Jesus' church has grown, strengthened, and endured through all of those different times. And I really believe God expands your view of his power and his capacity. He's going to give you so much more strength and hope for the difficulty that you are in right now. Man, when, when, when our, get, our world gets small, God gets small, and we feel like, oh, this is it, and this is all I've got. And when, man, when you can look big picture and see how faithful God has been, there's so much encouragement. And so, Way too long of an introduction. Are you ready for that? <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let, I, I want to look at a few passages with you. Um, we'll get to 2 Timothy 3 in a minute. So would you turn maybe in your Bible to that? Acts chapter 1, something cool. This is a first church history moment. Jesus is establishing his church. I'll just kind of read this for you so you can understand. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, no, 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 hang on. It's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. This is probably the most difficult thing about being a follower of Jesus is he's constantly humbling us, asking us to trust him. 
trust my timing, trust my leading, trust my provision, trust that I know what I'm doing and you don't. And Jesus just kind of like, ooh, it's not for you to know. Uh, but I really want to know. Yeah, but it's still not for you to know. There's just this humbling thing. You're a servant. I'm the master. Sorry. It's not for you to know. So, so then uh, he says, but you are going to receive power. This promise is so good. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. So he's like, this city that you're in, the region, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. He went into heaven. A cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white, these are angels, stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, because Jesus just went up there. <laughs> but listen, like the spirit is already going, hey, 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 church, I got things for you to do. I got stuff for you to be about. I got work for you to be involved in, like, yes, and now let's go. He says, in the same way, uh, in the same way, uh, in this, this same Jesus, sorry, who has taken from you uh, into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. That's Acts 1. Acts 2, the Spirit comes. Uh, at the end of Acts 2, there's this amazing picture of 3,000 people being saved and baptized in one day. We got two today, right? 3,000, can you imagine? And, 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 then, and then in Acts 4, this amazing picture of unity. Everyone was together, and they had, they had all things in common. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and, and, and there was this amazing unity in the church. And then in Acts um, 5 and 6, there's this kind of picture of delegation, and all these new leaders are starting to raise up and take care of these people. And then one of those leaders named Stephen in Acts 7 is actually killed. The religious leaders drag him out and they stone him to death. They're throwing huge rocks on his head and there's like this moment of uncertainty that just strikes the church. And then Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul approved of their killing of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea, in Samaria. I want you to listen to these words. The same words Jesus used in Acts 1, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. God had told them, like, I, I want you to get my Holy Spirit, but as soon as you get my Holy Spirit, then I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, yeah, but also this region, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul, this religious leader, he began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered, though, listen to this, they preached the word wherever they went. See, there's something happening in the church here in Acts 8 that I don't think any of us would ever pray for, wish for, or want. This immense persecution breaks out. People are being drugged to jail. They're being accused of all kinds of crazy things. They're being, they're being killed. They're being, all kinds of stuff is happening, and it's scattering people. They're running for their lives. They're running from fear. But what's happening is as they are being scattered, the gospel is being expanded. And, and I think about like, like how easy it is in our small view to go, I don't like persecution. I don't like being scattered. I don't like being thrown in jail. None of this stuff sounds like God's will. God, you would not do this to your people. Why is this happening to us? 
Why are churches being shut down? Why is the government saying these things? Why is this so difficult right now? God, this must not be what you want. And how impossible it would have been to just trust, hey, you don't know the time or the hour. You don't know what I'm doing. Hey, just chill out. I got you. I'm in charge. I'm going to lead you. And how easy it would have been just to hunker down. In fact, that's part of what I think the Holy Spirit was doing. They were hunkered down chilling in Jerusalem, like everything is awesome, right? Like the church, oh, we got it. All these people come to know Jesus, this is great. He's like, yeah, but there's a world dying to know how much I love them and you gotta get this message to them. Yeah, but we're doing pretty cool right here. How how easy is is the church to become just this huddle of all of the holy people, right? You heard that before, holy huddle? God has this amazing ability to go, "Uh uh-uh, no. No, 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 no. I got a dying, lost city world that needs to know the good news of of my grace and my love for them. And you're the messengers that I am filling with my spirit to get you out there. Like, like our hindsight is so good right now. Oh, we can see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't be a stagnant people. Yeah, yeah, I got it, Richie. Yeah, don't, don't get stuck in my little, my little comfort zone. Follow the Holy Spirit. Trust him. Yep, this is good. Yeah, but think about how much you've been whining the last couple of years. Think about how easy it's been to been so like frustrated or like mad at the government or mad at churches or, or frustrated with things going on in our life. Like we, we've been so consumed with how hard it's been and how bad our lives have been. And, and I think that this is the heartbeat that God wants to just kind of fill us as his church with. We don't know or understand what the spirit is doing in the church. We don't know what the future he has in mind. We have no idea where he is going with this thing, but I do know that we are in a period of history, and, and right now the Spirit is doing something in us and, and through us as a people that we have yet to have eyes to understand and see. And so it is for us to humble ourselves and become a people who are steadfast, not complaining, who are strong and enduring and, and faithful, not giving up, walking away, disgruntled, bitter, picking apart, you know, deconstructing, but understanding that there's a steadfastness born as we trust the Holy Spirit more than we trust anyone else on this planet. And for us to know his spirit is so good. He has a future in mind for his church. And we as his people have an opportunity to trust him through this difficult time and believe that he has something in mind. And what he wants to do in us right now, I believe more than anything, is to strengthen the strength of his people. See, strong churches come from strong people. The church is not some like set of beliefs or a building or an elder team. It is you. You're the church. Think about what when Jesus talks about his church, there wasn't a building. There wasn't uh, anything like that. He, he goes, no, 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 no. I love Matthew 16, 18. It's such a clear picture of God's heart. He said, Peter goes, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, yeah, you're right, Peter. And on this rock, on that confession, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades won't be able to stop my church. And how easy it is in the midst of difficulty to get inward focused. And we think about Jesus' church as like a fortress and gates on it. And and we want to keep hell out. Jesus actually views it completely the opposite. We're a force attacking the gates of hell. There is a fortress of darkness in our city, in your family, in your neighborhood. And, and that place, that stronghold of darkness, God is sending you to. He's like, you know how good my church is, how strong my church is? I'm going to build my church, not even the gates of hell. Maybe that little stronghold in your family or in that neighborhood or in your school or whatever, it's there. That ain't nothing compared to the gates of hell. And Jesus is like, even the gates of hell can't stop 
my church. And it's so easy to get inward, hunkered down focuses, and Jesus has always been, no, I'm going to build my church. And for us to, to disconnect from that promise is so easy. And I believe that God wants to reconnect our hearts to that promise and go, yeah, I, and I'm a part of that. I'm not, I'm not just disconnected from that, but I'm actually called to that. James 5, he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. He says, you also be patient. I love this. Establish your hearts. Like a resolve inside you that says, I'm not giving up. I'm not complaining. I'm not walking away. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he gets real practical. Do not grumble against one another because that's what we do when we're weak, right? We look for somebody to blame. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Aren't those the stories we love to celebrate? Nobody's like writing books about the weak ones who gave up. Right? Nobody's looking back at history and going, wow, that was so inspiring. Let's all quit. <laughs> we consider those who are blessed, who, who, who remained steadfast. And I look at our church and I go, God, make us a people who endure. Make us a church that endures. And again, you are the church. And the strength of the future of this church depends on the strength of you. The resolve of you in your heart to become someone who lasts, who endures. Yeah, is it difficult? Yeah, is there anxiety? Yeah, is there fear? Is there questions? Is there, yes, all of that is swirling around us. And yet somehow the miracle of Jesus' people has continued to be this testimony, this light that, that has shaped so much of, of, of human history. I mean, you could track, I have a whole volume, it's like this thick, of a non-Christian writing historical moments that has shaped the culture of our world, all from, from Christianity, people following Jesus, how it has shaped our entire world. And this guy, this non-Christian historian is like, this is crazy. Like, it is absolutely amazing. He's tracking through thousands of years of history. One of my favorite books to read, it's just this really cool picture. And, and I believe that, that God wants us to be those kind of people. There are generations coming after us. They need somebody who's going to endure. They need somebody who's going to stay strong. They need somebody who's going to leave them a legacy of faith and hope and, and steadfastness. Not somebody who's weak and just walks away. And I believe that God wants us to be those kind of people. I'm not ignoring the problems. I'm not pretending like they don't, they're not here, but I'm going, God, how can you make us a people that endure? If your church endured through that kind of persecution in Acts chapter 8, God, how can we today humble us in this time? You know, one of the, the coolest pictures that comes out of that period of history, just to bring a little bit of full circleness to it, the church was scattered, and that scattering had to be difficult. People running for their lives, they're, they're going. But as they're going, he says that they're in Acts 8, 4, they preached the good news wherever they went. You know what happened? Historically, you can look at Acts 9, that same Saul that was killing Christians, Jesus gets a hold of his life, and he begins to preach the good news as well. 
Acts 10, then Peter goes to Cornelius and, and, and expands the church beyond the Jewish tradition into people that aren't Jewish at all. And, and all these walls begin to come down and lives begin to get changed and, and people are drawn to God and pretty soon disciples are being made in all these outlying cities and, and then soon churches are springing up and this guy Paul, who, who used to be Saul but now is planting churches named Paul, he, he begins to write all these letters to all these, these churches that are being planted in Ephesus and Lystra and Derby and Iconium, all these regions around Jerusalem. And those letters, you know what they are? Scripture. Like we could have never predicted that the persecution would have produced scripture. That this became the anchor for Jesus' church for the last couple thousand years. But thank God that the Spirit knew what he was doing to bring about that source of encouragement and alignment and hope. The miracle of the Spirit's leadership of his church is so humbling. It's so important for us to go, whoa, we would not have these letters if it wasn't for that scattering. God, you're good. You're so good. We just don't have the end of this story yet. And so while we're in it, God, I'm asking you to make us a people who can endure through it, who could come out the other side stronger, healthier, more filled with faith, a people, God, who, who, who you know you can lean on to continue to preach the gospel however this goes. Not a people who huddle up and just call it quits and, and, and just get insulated with our lives and consume with our problems, but God, make us a people who would see the world the way you see it and the people around us the way you see them, God, and give us a passion to, to, to be the strength and to be the future, God, of your church that you believe will not be stopped, God. So, how? I want you to look at 2 Timothy 3 with me for a moment. How does Jesus' church get strong? That's the question. Strong churches don't come from, like, good bylaws and you know, perfect, you know, buildings and stages and worship songs it comes from strong people. You're God's chosen people. You're a holy race. You're set apart. You call out of darkness into light so that you can declare the goodness and the praises of God. Just think about that. Paul writes to Timothy, and, and he's in Ephesus. <laughs> Ephesus is probably one of the most tumultuous cultures. Um, you know, I was talking to, I coach pastors around the country, and one of them, ah, he's in like Kentucky. They're like, yeah, you guys out west out there, you know, it's crazy out there. Seattle, Portland, you know, oh, you know, he's like, ooh, you know, back here in the south, you know, and, and I was just thinking about like Ephesus was like 10, hundred times Seattle or Portland or whatever your like vision of progressive craziness is, right? It was just like, you know, whatever. And, and, and here Paul asked Timothy to lead this church. Paul planted it. And Timothy is like brand new to this leadership thing. I was just thinking about like, you don't know how to lead a, a, a group. Uh, ask Timothy how that might have been for him. Here's a church in the most like progressive, crazy city in the world. Good luck. I, I got you. I'll walk with you. And look at what he does to strengthen Timothy through this craziness. 2 Timothy 3, look at verse 10. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching. Paul's saying to Timothy, you know my way of life, you know my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know persecutions and suffering and what kinds of things have happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, the persecutions that I endured. Yet 
the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, verse 12, this is not the good news verse of the day, but you need to hear it, okay? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He says, while evil men and imposters, what will they do? They'll go from bad to worse. If you're waiting for them to go from bad to better, you have the wrong expectations. They're gonna go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Anytime you're looking at our culture, or our leadership, our government, or you know, whatever, our school district, and you're like, if they would just, right? That's a good indication that you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Our hope has never been designed to be in a leadership structure and a man and a government and a whatever. It has always been in Jesus. And Paul is just saying to Timothy, hey, it's difficult. Bad things happen. Evil men, they go from bad to worse. That's kind of the progression. They go from being deceived and deceiving. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. But as for you, good transition. As for you, continue in what you have learned what you have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus he says all scripture is god breathed and it's useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes to the church, the same church in Ephesus, he said, hey, you are God's masterpiece. You're created new in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned long ago for you to do. And here he's saying to Timothy, you need the word of God to equip you for those good works that, that God created you to do. You're starting where you start, but, but you got to be strengthened. You got to be established in this heart and in this faith to become who God made you to be. And scripture is that thing that strengthens you that equips you, that shapes you, that trains you, that corrects you, that rebukes you. See, Jesus' people have always endured because they've had strong disciplines. They've had practices that have shaped the culture of their life. You don't just get strong on accident, amen? Anybody over 40 knows exactly what I'm talking about. Ugh. But disciplines in the life of the disciple keeps the church strong through all the unknowns, through all the ups and the downs. Just think about what Paul's saying to Timothy here. Hey, expect resistance in life and holiness. Doesn't he say that? Hey, everybody who wants to follow Jesus, they will experience persecution. Evil people, they're going to go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. How much different would the Rogue River have gone if I knew how crazy those rapids were? I would have had a helmet, for sure. Uh, life jacket, absolutely. A bigger boat than the stupid fish catcher or a fish hunter, whatever that thing was. We would have been much more equipped. And that's what I'm finding is many of us are like, we're water wings, and this is like class four rapids. Right? You're just like, you know, trying to not die. And God's got a good work for you to do. And, and man, if we would just kind of settle our hearts and go, oh, 
This is difficult sometimes. Life is like tumultuous and culture is all over the place. And the system of this world is not built to encourage you in the faith. It is built to drag you away from the faith. So level your expectations for a moment and go, oh, this is because this is the world that we live in and we have an opportunity in this world, again, to, to break down the strongholds. All the dark places is to bring light, to bring God's glory, to bring God's grace, to bring his love to those dark places. But we are not a people that are hunkered down behind a fort hoping that the hell stays out of our lives. Because hell is everywhere. I mean, it is invading everywhere. And God is saying, I need a people who would be strong enough to invade the darkness, not run from the darkness, but to bring light into those broken places. And to really consider that calling for a minute and go, God, I've been, I've been weak. I, I, I've been water-winging this thing, just trying to not die. And God, I want to become somebody that you can use for your purposes, your kingdom, your glory. God. Expect that resistance. But then I love what he says. He says, verse 14, but as for you, I want you to continue in what you have learned, what you have been convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Think about how cool of a picture this is. You got people in your life, Timothy, that you've been watching. This is what the church is always supposed to have been. It's a, it's a community of people encouraging each other in this faith, keeping each other growing. That you look at scripture and you're like, I don't know what that means, but something's going right in their marriage. Maybe I should hang out with them. Something's working in, in their recovery. They're no longer addicted. Look at all that sobriety they got. I should be around them. Right? Like there's, there's this sense of community where you can look at somebody and go, oh, emulate their life. I love what Paul said to his church. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look at my life, my way of teaching, my convictions. Look at the, the endurance that I've had. And I want you to emulate this. Some of you, man, you've been weak because you've been out. And God's going, you got to get in. you got to be a part of this family, this team, this, this thing called my church. You can't expect to be strong out there by yourself. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to pick you off, drag you away, and devour you some of you that struggle has been so strong and all you can see is the struggle and God is going hey lift up your head today would you know that my church is a place of strength for my people to stay encouraged to stay filled with faith to stay motivated and inspired there's people around here that want to be a model for you to become who God made you to be and others of you man you've been sitting in your funk and God's going hey I need you to be a model for them you, you, you've been sidelined. You've just been doing the religious thing, but you're not bringing your whole heart to, to Jesus' church. You're just kind of sitting there on the fence wondering if this is going to be the place for you. And God is saying, hey, I need you somewhere. If it's not here, get there, wherever it is, but get there with all your heart. Right? Don't sit there in that place of inconsistency and lack of commitment and wondering about how things are going to go and when things settle down, they won't. Right? So just settle your heart there and go, oh, well, I need to get in. I need to be a part of this. I need to be committed. The church needs you to, to be someone who is established this way. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting together. This is beautiful picture in this passage of the people of God, but also the Word of God. 
He says, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You need the people of God, but you need the Word of God. Daily. There's not a day that goes by that you're strong enough without the Word of God. The Word of God is where the Spirit of God begins to move into your life and empower you, shape you, correct you, train you. And when you sit down in the morning, set aside 30 minutes or so and go, okay, God, as I come to this passage, don't read like for hours. Like, just get enough. Like, it's not about information. It's about transformation. You know this. It's about you being changed. So sit there in, in prayerful moments going, God, shape me through this passage. Shape me through these little verses here, this little bit. God, give me enlightenment, understanding. Help me to understand it. You gotta, you gotta illuminate this thing to me, God, and then change me through it. And I, I, I take those little moments and I journal. It's my journal here. I've been doing this for years. I mean, since two thousand five, six. Every day, I've got volumes of these things filled up, and I just think about how many life-changing encounters I've had with the Holy Spirit that nobody will ever know anything about because it's between me and God in those little moments. And I just think about strong people have these kind of habits in their life where you go, I don't know how to read scripture. There's people around here that do. I don't know how to hear God's voice. I would love to tell you about my journey in hearing God's voice. It just doesn't come with being a pastor. You know that comes through these kinds of little moments just going God speak direct open my heart my prayer is that we would become a strong people the people who endure the people who are carried along by the Holy Spirit through these slices of history that we have no idea where it's going to go and how it's going to end and what the next chapter looks like and so Holy Spirit we just trust your leadership shape us give us strength to endure God walk with us as we become the people that you've called us to be I gotta pray for you. The next service is gonna come in here in a second. So, would you pray with me, Jesus? You see every heart in this room. You know, oh God, you know each of our stories, our names, our failures, our fears. And yet, God, you love us. Oh, you love us. allow the love of God just to settle in your heart for a moment. Oh, He loves you. He forgives you. He knows every detail. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, for your church. Every one of us, God you would build a strong, enduring people, that you would build a passion-filled people, not a people hunkered down, but a people outward looking, God, for ways to be used by you for your purposes. God, a people equipped by your word. God, a people submitted to your leadership. God, a people changed by your spirit. Forgive us for our stagnancy and our fear and our inconsistency and all those things that have plagued us. God, make us a strong people. Over life, would you stand to your feet with me today? 
Man, I love you a ton, and I am believing that God is going to strengthen us through this season together. These conversations you don't want to miss. Invite people to be with you. I think God's going to be working powerfully. Here's what I hope you got out of today. Every day you're reading scripture. Every week you're connected with God's people. That these are practices that you are passionate about. If you don't know how to do it, ask for help. We're here. In fact, we'd love to invite anybody forward that needs prayer about anything. You want to be baptized. Uh, you want to talk about getting connected to a group. Any of those next steps. Our team, our elders, uh, I'd love to pray with you. We'll be up here. Any of those um, next steps on your cards, giving envelopes. You could drop all that stuff in the box as you leave. I love you a ton of life. Have an awesome, awesome week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time.